Hey, Joel here. It's Dining Round. We're eating and drinking across the nation and sometimes around the world. Listen, this this idea of, of drinking, of sipping, of enjoying, of cocktails has really been on the rise, as we know. And there are so many exciting things going on here in the United States. And I always love to find out what else is going on around the world. The reality is there is this history in certain regions. There are these traditions that we've all been able to bank on. We've all been able to enjoy and then, I don't know, make our own expression about them. And what I love to do is when we have the opportunity to look back and to see what a company that's been around for a significant period of time is doing and their effect. We're joined now by Jen Wren. She is the Glenn Fittick ambassador. She's here with me at Wingtip, which is in San Francisco. It's a fab little private club but they have an amazing space downstairs that doesn't sell does in fact sell product too jen welcome to the show thank you joel thank you so much for having me you well, are so much fun i, I <laughs> love hanging out with you thank true story you. well we're just hanging out drinking cocktails uh, or yeah. drinking, drinking scotch basically yes i mean the, nothing better than having a couple of scotches and uh -huh. what, what is it one in the afternoon is well, like that? it yeah. is where we are but wherever <laughs> you are you're listening whenever you're listening listen uh, let's let's start with this idea of history because Glenfiddich is one of those 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 brands one of those companies that has such deep history and now we see it and we enjoy it and we get to taste some of the more innovative expressions as well where did it begin where should we consider when we're thinking about Glenfiddich wow well let me take you back to the very very beginning uh, the company was founded in 1886 with the first drop of Glenfiddich running from the stills on Christmas Day 1887 Perfect. which means we're two ish weeks <laughs> away from our 129th anniversary Wow which is pretty incredible, right? It is. Um, which also means that 2017 will be uh, the 100th anniversary of the founding of Glenfiddich. That's so amazing. we are a very old company. Mm -hmm. uh, we're a company with great tradition, and we are now a sixth-generation family-owned company. That's something that I... I didn't realize about Glenfiddich is that family connection as well. Because we often think about some of the things going on here and we're like, wow, it's exciting and impressive that they're able to, I don't know, keep it along the lines of, of this familial aspect. But when you think of Glenfiddich, six generations, you said. Six generations. In fact, uh, I had the pleasure of spending time with the gentleman who is the sixth generation joining the company this year uh, twice uh, mm -hmm. in the UK. Um, his name is Matthew Gordon and he's the sweetest guy and so happy to have him as part of the company. Um, and the thing about Matthew and the thing that, that, that what this, this younger uh, generation represents is both a continuation of the ideals of William Grattan himself, mm -hmm. our lifetime chairman, uh, Mr. Charles Gordon, and then now the innovative changes that you're seeing take place within mm -hmm. the company, you know? And uh, it's thrilling to be a part of that. Well, and with this innovation, I, I, I love the aspect that that history is always honored and the tradition is always honored within it. And that's something that at different times within our experience in the food and spirits world, we see a, an absolute wiped clean of what's gone on. But no, now there's definitely this respect for the past and, and the drive forward on the foundation that was built. I, I don't think that I could have put it better, Joel. That was that was exactly perfect. <laughs> I think that, and seriously, everybody within the company has uh, such a rich and robust respect for, the, as you said, the foundation that has been laid. Mm -hmm. And there's always a sense of going back to our roots and honoring those roots. But the magical thing about working in a family-owned company 
we're very streamlined. Mm-hmm. We're able to move quick and fast when we have new ideas. We don't have to, you know, go all over the universe and source all of our board members and beg and plead. Mm-hmm. When we have ideas, we take them to the family. Um, you know, one of the incredible innovations recently was Glenfiddich 14, okay. uh, which is entirely American oak. Um, and that, that was an idea that was brought, you know, to the family. They loved the idea, and now it's been a wild success. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you look at Glenfiddich 14, the foundation of uh, the invention of cask finishing, the foundation of, you know, uh, David Stewart, our fifth master blender, mm-hmm. teaching Brian Kinsman, our sixth master blender, all of that legacy is in that innovative bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just innovation. It's, it's innovation with a background. So, and, and so what you can get from Glenfiddich are, are things that have the history and also things that have the innovation. I know 14 years is actually a long time, but in the world of Scotch, it, it's not really a huge amount of time. No, I mean, that's <laughs> it's like a blink of an eye. The big joke is, uh, you know, uh, I recently posted an, an interview with one of our family members, uh, Kirsten Grant Meekle, and you know, Kirsten, I've spent an uh, incredible amount of time with her. And one of the things Kirsten says is when you're looking at single malt, when you're looking at building a family business, when you're looking at bringing those things together, you're not playing a one-year plan, five-year plan. Mm-hmm. You're playing a 25-year, 50-year plan. Right. So in single malt, we think slow and we think long-term. <laughs> those are good things. <laughs> well, and it's good you have a family behind you that can that can back that up because the accountants in the world might be a little bit afraid of what could happen. What do you mean 14 yes. years before the products? Were... All right, so you mentioned the 14-year. Uh, as the consumer, as the person who enjoys scotch, what would we look for in the glass? I mean, I, I know that every single person has their own moment with what they're consuming but but what would you say that we should look to in comparison to some of your other products or as the consumer though when tasting it oh that's a great question so I always say when people approach any single malt whiskey there is this idea of old older oldest Mm -hmm. and youngest is cheapest and oldest is best and I should always go to a bar and be like what's the oldest that you have Mm -hmm. and specifically for single malt, that's a terrible way of thinking. And most specifically for Glenfiddich, it's a very erroneous way of thinking. And the reason for that is as we move through 12, 14, 15, 18, our core range, every single expression is wildly different Okay. based on the type of wood used in maturation. Okay. So So you mentioned American oak. Is that one of the examples? Yes. Of the, the 14? The three main types of wood that we use are uh, ex-sherry European oak, okay. ex-bourbon American oak, and virgin American oak. Now you can then, you know, go in all different directions and use uh, casks that have had Sauternes wine in them, or you can use a cask that have had uh, Olorosa sherry. Uh, Every cask (laughs) must be a specific type of oak. You cannot use a wood that is not oak. So that's the big base from which we jump. But what that means is our 12 is very delicate and light. R14, the one I just mentioned, it's 14 years in ex-bourbon American oak, Mm -hmm. then a finishing process in virgin American oak. It's robust, it's heady, it's aggressive, it's sweet, Mm -hmm. like a bourbon. Okay. So the person that's drawn to the qualities of 12 is not going to be the same person who's going to be immediately drawn to the qualities of 14. Okay. Very different whiskey styles within the range. Uh And that's what I like to say to people, don't drink the Glenfiddich that's oldest, drink the Glenfiddich you like. Mm-hmm. Drink the one that speaks to but, your palate. But there is this there's this piece of information that you've given there that would help as well because you can go to a fine establishment or if you're having a group of people over or what have you, 
and, and taste through a number of different expressions. And the idea being that you can taste the difference, you can go along with it, and you can decide for yourself. Because somebody who might be a neophyte to the, the world of scotch, um, you don't think in those terms. And I might not think in those terms. So to be able to say, all right, these three different Glenfiddichs are from the from three different sort of eras or three different styles or whatever it is and which do you prefer even if you love them all there might be one that sort of speaks to you a little bit a little bit more sings a little higher and others that are a little more difficult to get so you're like special occasion absolutely i mean i find a lot of people who who are entering the category for the first time find that our 18 is a little too dry and complex for their palate mm-hmm. um you know and that's a generalization I, I also find people that have it for the first time and you're like that's my whiskey exactly but you you do find that either an a newbie a whiskey newbie mm-hmm. will gravitate towards a flavor profile that they have had before. Right. So an American whiskey drinker might gravitate towards the 14. Okay. Or somebody who's used to white spirits and needs a lighter, delicate scotch for their mm-hmm. first time out might like the 12 better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean one is better or one well, is worse. And that's, you know? a, that, that's interesting because I would think about that along with, for example, uh, tasting beer. I, I might decide, okay, I'm having a group of people over. I want to make sure that I have a wide range of different beer to serve them for that very reason because some people may want may not want the hoppy, hoppy, heavy, heavy, or chocolatey or whatever it is. You might want something that's a little lighter of expression. It can all be the same thing. It just has a different nuance that you know expert blenders and expert creators and distillers would be able to put forth. You have something that is more recent to the marketplace. And, yes. and I wanted to ask you about about that because I know that it's available within the holiday season. Tell us a little bit about this latest expression from Glenfiddich. It is, and I'm so thrilled about it. You know, you mentioned that we're sitting here in San Francisco. Uh, so the the wonderful expression is Glenfiddich IPA, or in America we refer to it as it is Glenfiddich IPA, or in America we refer to it as India Pale Ale. Okay. Uh, now I don't want anyone to be confused. We we have not. Put a Glenfiddich label on a beer. This is not just a really big beer bottle, okay? This is a Glenfiddich expression. Okay. Um, and it did just hit the West Market. Oh my gosh! What about three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? Right. Yeah. I mean, I know that there was an ex- there was an excitement uh, here at Wingtip because it is available uh, at, at at their retail outlet. So yes. I was like, oh look, there you go. They're set up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And and Wingtip has, does have one of the best retail whiskey outlets uh, in the West. They're wonderful and it's it's highly curated. This expression is very exciting, and the reason for that is Glenfiddich has traditionally, and I love how I say, I say traditionally, mm-hmm. but been a bastion of innovation when it comes to single malt whiskey. Uh, everything from, like I said, inventing cask finishing all the way to bringing single malt to America for the first time. Uh, some really, really landmark things in whiskey history. Okay. And what we've done is we've taken that ground that we laid, and this year our master blender, Brian Kinsman, decided to start something new. Okay. And that is what we are calling the experimental series. <laughs> now, I don't want anybody to get all, you know, any whiskey lovers out there to get all twisted up. We are not getting rid of our age statement whiskeys. I okay. guarantee you, I, I, I will but stand you know, behind but, that. But for somebody who collects, I have a brother who collects whiskeys. And I mean, he drinks them. He doesn't just put them on a shelf. Good. <laughs> but, but he is always interested in something different, always interested. And for him... 
there's an occasion to this, there's an occasion for that. And I think that for the person who might like to have a number of different whiskeys, having this experimental expression is really cool. Yes, I completely agree with you. And what we found was uh, people who are coming into the whiskey market, you know, uh, consumers that are in there, and I hate to use the word consumer. It has just like, we consume. I, it's just a terrible word. But, um, you know, people that are coming into the whiskey market that are maybe, you know, like, you know, 25 to 32, mm-hmm. uh, they're people who are really curating their life they may finally have a little bit more disposable income and they can invest in something like a single malt. Mm-hmm. Well, unilaterally, they're telling us they want something edgier, cooler, funner, exciting, right? Mm-hmm. Is funner a word? I don't think sure. so. Sure. <laughs> sure, more fun. There we go. Uh, so what that translated to us was Brian wanted to experiment and these new whiskey drinkers that we're meeting all the time mm-hmm. wanted something that was edgy and outside the box. So in lieu of eliminating any of our timeless, well-loved, you know, age statement whiskeys, mm-hmm. we created this companion line. And there's going to be installments. Okay. So the first one, experimental <laughs> series number one, which I love. It sounds so Dr. Frankenstein. It does. I know. <laughs> um, but experimental series number one mm. is Glenfiddich. IPA. Okay. So what we did in this process is our wonderful master blender headed about 10 miles down the road to a little town called Forest. Now, if you think about it, we are in the space side region. Okay. So Dufftown, where we are located, and Forest, where the brewery is located, are in the same region. Okay. So it's kind of like a stone's throw, right? Is there is there a similar water quality? Is there a similar... Absolutely. Okay. So we can think about yes. that as it's it's a neighborhoody kind of what have you. There's Absolutely. Same, same terroir. Yes. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I don't talk too much about uh, terroir and whiskey, but I, I really do believe in water quality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's very funny... Uh, Whenever I go to Speyside and I spend some good time there, my hair looks fabulous. I, I swear it's the water. I always joke about that. No, this. for sure. For and you, sure. And you, when you leave or when you go someplace else, you can taste the difference. Yes. Um, immediately. And I think that there is that quality that continues throughout. I mean, it, whiskey, water is in whiskey. I mean, I mean it's seriously, it's, it's what, like 95% of exactly. the whiskey. So you, so you really need it. So you went down, down the road. Yeah, so, so Brian goes down the road and he met this wonderful young man named Seb Jones. And Seb owns the Speyside Craft Distillery. And he and Seb, over a period of something like 18 months, went back and forth, sent emails back and forth, talked to each other, and Glenfiddich commissioned Seb to create an India pale ale mm-hmm. beer in the British style. So I, I want, don't want you guys to think of American pale ale. It's right. much more bitter, lots of fruit notes. They needed, and they needed that, they. The original distillers needed the India pale ale so it could transpire port or it could be transported from the UK to India to be consumed. And so there's this idea of it needs the longevity. So it can't be delicate. It had to have its own sort of backbone and really good legs about it. Yes. And anybody who enjoys, uh, you know, IPAs, the the funny thing for me, you know, I, I, I know everything about whiskey and then I get into beer and I'm like, I'm so, I'm still getting my sea legs in beer. You know, it's really not my, my jam. So I'm learning all this stuff about beer. But, you know, IPA is meant to be robust. It's Mm -hmm. meant to be, you know, aggressive almost. When you drink it, it's not supposed to hide in your meal. It's supposed to aggressively stand out against your meal. Um, So it was was interesting to take a beer that had such a personality and see, you know, for lack of a better phrase, if we could bend it to our will, you Mm -hmm. know, if we could make the Glenfiddich shine uh, within the, the IPA. So... We developed an IPA, and and beer lovers out there, forgive me, this is how it was explained. Uh, Seb 
went through a process of raising the chemical compound hemulase. So there, okay. so this IPA has a lot of hemulase. And those beer beer lovers out there are going to know what I they mean. They know what that is. They're going to know what that means. Uh, but, but by altering the chemical structure a little bit, we found that that allowed the IPA subcreated to penetrate the wood as much as possible. Okay. And we went through several iterations of this IPA. So when you think about the beer, the beer was not meant to be drunk okay it was meant to penetrate an oak cask to get maximum uh what what we call the the in and out process right Right. so so the liquid goes in and the liquid comes out of the wood um we put that ipa in the cask for just about four weeks and i always say just about because it is a little give or take these are organic you know, uh, uh, processes. And, uh, we allow that IPA to just get deeply into the wood. Just really, really, really. So that effect would be similar to the effect that uh, a sherry would have, or any of these other products would have a port would have on whiskey or, or a Sauterne. Yes. I love, I'm nodding. Like you can't hear me nod, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, yes, Joel, you got it. So it's the exact same thought process. It's just like using a cognac, Mm -hmm. a Sauterne, a port, anything, red wine. What we want to do is we want to have that initial liquid penetrate the wood as much as possible so that once we empty that liquid out mm-hmm. we put the glenfiddich in we're getting a maximum exposure to the qualities of whatever that liquid was in the glenfiddich mm-hmm. so, so that marries in harmony and creates this new expression yes and so these ipa qualities mm-hmm. are then through this process of maturation or, or in this case finishing uh, then imbued Mm-hmm. into the liquid and so what you notice as we sit here if, if you were to and we are picking up the glass right now <laughs> um I, it, this is the opposite of being on uh, stage I, <laughs> I actually have to tell you instead of show you uh but we are picking up the glass right now and if you hold it to your nose mm-hmm. you're going to notice that right at the top uh the the ipa was made using challenger hops which are very fruity hops you do get that ipa fruitiness right mm-hmm. at the top the magic of this and the genius of seb and brian is that Glenfiddich naturally has a pear or an, an apple quality. Okay. So it's playing with and enhancing the fruitiness that's already present in the whiskey. But every single moment of that would be intentional. I mm-hmm. mean, there is that Absolutely. thought process that goes into it. The, that is why the hops was chosen. That is why this particular Indian pale ale was chosen. All of that yeah. put together. I think that's fascinating. It's really cool. No, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally so cool. And I was telling the story a little earlier that as an ambassador, I, I'm so lucky because we make an annual, uh, it's, it's almost like you know going to Mecca, but we make an annual trip to the distillery. And we really spend time uh, speaking to our global team and speaking to our master distiller and speaking to our global ambassador and, and finding out what, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those times we get to sample liquids that are in process or our future ideas mm-hmm. or, or Brian is asking for feedback. And I feel so privileged to be part of a 25 person tasting right. panel <laughs> that gets to really interact with how these liquids come to market. And, and eventually, um, and eventually those expressions make it into fine restaurants yes. and fine bars into people's homes and they're enjoyed a little later on. And I think that that would be, as a person who's involved in the process, it would be so exciting to be able to say, I can, I can imagine where this might be going next. I always feel like 
the comparison to me would be, you know, when a star films a movie and then like 16 months, two years later, they go on their press junket. <laughs> it, it's almost like, oh, my God, I forgot how good that scene was uh-huh. or I forgot how beautiful that dialogue was written. You know, I get to actually now sip uh, India Pale Ale here with you mm-hmm. in 2016. But this has been a process that's dating, like I said, almost back two years in which I did get to try earlier iterations right. of this. And and to see this come to fruition is it's absolutely magical. It's a Christmas gift. <laughs> so, Well, Jen, on that, thank you so, so much for being a part of the show today. Thank you, Joel. I really appreciate I, it. Listen, I love hanging out with you, man. This is so much fun. And we'll, we'll drink a little bit more India Pale Ale. You can taste your own. Look for it at fine retailers, fine retailers, sorry, around the Bay Area and across the nation. No, I haven't had too much. Uh, <laughs> and you can find it and ask for it. And listen, Glenfiddich, it is this family-owned company, sixth generation. The idea is when you bring it into your own home, you have this tradition in your own home and all of the little new startups that go along with it, that's part of that tradition because it is that that marriage of family and familiarity with the, the idea that you want your consumer and you want your partner out there to be able to enjoy it as well. Check out glenfiddich.com uh, for more information. Ask your local fine restaurant, fine retailer for sure. And again, the India Pale Ale is available. Jen, you're awesome. I'm Joel. Follow me on Twitter at Joel Riddell and on Instagram dining around and as always i'll pop up all this information on diningaround.com